My name is Eugene Lipov. I'm a physician who started using Stellar Ganglion Block to treat PTSD and control the overactive sympathetic system, fight and flight system. We're going to be talking about that in the show as well as the impact on the mind and body that it does and what can be done about it and a way to reverse PTSD in 10 or 15 minutes. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Curiosity Bites. We're in our fourth and final section of this interview with Dr. Eugene Livlov. I mean, this guy is doing amazing things. He is a doctor that most people have never, never heard of. And he's discovered what might be the greatest medical innovation since Jonas Salk uh, found a vaccine for the pol polio virus. Uh, he's transforming the lives of people who are suffering with PTSD and coming at it from a place that nobody has even done before. Uh, and he's put together this unified uh, theory of how it all works together. And, and it's working for things that you would never even imagine. And of course, that is the stalaganglion block. Now, what that is, is an injection in the neck. We'll just, we'll go back to that in, the, in a moment. We'll talk, I'm going to get him to just walk you through a little bit about what it is again. And I really want to look at what we can do, each of us, to be part of this and make this come out in the world so that it's not so peripheral. So let's just talk about, Eugene, just walk us through a little bit about what it actually is because we talked about it, but it might still be a bit nebulous for most people. Yeah, so essentially it's a procedure that's done um, by pain physicians such as myself. Uh, it's been modified some, so but we won't get in detail there. So basically the patient lies on the table. We use ultrasound to make sure we know where everything is, blood vessels and where the target is. So the ultimate target is uh, the sympathetic ganglia called stellar ganglia, uh, which sits in front of one of the muscles on the neck. And we could see it pretty readily using ultrasound and we use a special needle in there. Once we get in the right spot, we numb up the skin, place the needle in, put some medicine in there, and um, that's about it. So and just so everybody understands, explain what, what, the, what that ganglion is. That's nerves, oh, okay. right? That's nerves. So basically, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, the fight and flight nerves, the way they're organized in the body is they come out of the brain, they go down the spinal cord, and then they form kind of relay stations where they connect to other nerves to go to the final targets. So it turns out the sympathetic nerves come out of the brain, go down the spinal cord, come out of the spinal cord, go up to the neck, have a relay here and yes. go back to the brain. Wow. Whatever the reason, that's how God built it. Wow. And then, so if you think about it, you're running from the tiger and your fight and flight system is kicked in. So now your brain is running faster. You're looking around, make sure you don't get eaten. Uh, those, the same similar nerves go down the legs and makes you run faster, close down your blood vessels so you don't bleed to death as you're running from the tiger and so on. So that's what a ganglion is. It's a, it's a way station. So it's about this big. It's not huge. The target's oh. pretty small. And so you use the ultrasound so that you don't going somewhere else. Because well, I imagine it would be pretty easy to go somewhere else. Correct. So we need to know 
well, there are two things. When I teach people how to do procedures, I, the number one thing I teach is where not to go. Yeah. That's the first step. <laughs> and then the second step is you need to be on target. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because when people feel threatened, and this is uh, through some of my work and research around uh, behavioral psychology and um, uh, uh, micro cues. So what's interesting is that when people lie, they'll often do this. If you can see that. Or they'll look sideways, right? Well, they'll, they'll yeah, flex right? like this. And so yeah. they bring the muscle to protect that vein and that nerve. They actually cover it up. It actually brings the muscle forward to cover it. And so it's one of the ways that we know for those of us who, are, who, who understand behavioral uh, physiology, uh, like micro twitches in the eyebrows and all the rest of it. Um, that's one of the ways that somebody says, I feel threatened. If they're lying and you're, you're nailing them on it, they'll, they'll they have no control over it, but that's they'll protect that nerve. So that's a very interesting thing. So it's, so it's, does the muscle sit over it naturally or does it sit side by side? How does it work if I was looking at it? So if you're going straight in from, from outside in, okay, going, going, entering this way. So there are muscles in front. There's a carotid artery right here. Yeah. So it's usually out, outside the carotid artery. So lateral to it. So, yeah. And then there is a muscle that called longus coli muscle. That sits. So if you have the vertebra, the bone, yeah, it sits in the side. Yeah. So it's called longus coli. The target is right here in front of this muscle, longus coli. Right. It's deep to this muscle that you were just flexing. Yeah. It's going deeper than that, but it's not as deep as the bone. I don't know if that helps. Yep. So the injection puts in there, and. That and this is what I found interesting because I'm trying to help people understand what's actually happening. You said that that resets the system because, because this is this is an anesthetic, right? right? So, anesthetic so, does two things, yeah. If I may. Please, it does. So, number one, it numbs up this gateway, yeah. So, once you numb it up, there's no more the fibers going to the brain are no longer kicking out norepinephrine. Right. So norepinephrine half-life in the brain is about 10, 15 minutes. Yes. That's why people feel so much better immediately. Yes. But the other thing it does, it seems to reduce NGF, neural growth factor that we talked about yep. before. And that seems to take away the extra nerve tissue that happens from trauma. That's why a procedure that lasts eight hours can last for years. So there is, so, there is a new, there is a readjustment of fight and flight neurons or some of those nerves. So when you're saying it's, it, it becomes a reset, right? What is it resetting to? to the because some people were born in trauma. That's why I'm asking. Well, that, 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 that's a tremendous question. I don't have a great answer there. But in general, when I use the term reset, and again, I try to use computer terms because it's easier to understand that. If you think about when the computer is not working right, what do you do with it? You turn it off, turn it back on, you're resetting it. Yes. So when I say we are resetting to the pre-trauma state, it means a lower norepinephrine state 
and the lower amount of sympathetic fibers in the brain. That's what they're resetting. Mm. Like I said, I'm really interested to, to know more about that in the context of people who were born into a traumatic environment, um, you know, like our friend. Um, so, you know, what are you resetting to? And I'm wondering if the body has a, uh, even a, some biological memory of a state that is before that trauma, even if they were born in it. Because as you said, the epigenetics of it can be multi-generational. So well, it, it the reset be button becomes a different, it's like, oh, that's a bit, bit nebulous now. Reset is you had right. a trauma at seven, so we're resetting you before seven. You had, a, you had a trauma at 17, we're resetting you before that. But if you were born in that, that's fascinating. So, well, so we, again, since we know who's our friend, he's had a lot of trauma very early. Mm -hmm. um, so the question is, what are we resetting to? And I think they may be, and this is now this is pure theory. I have no evidence whatsoever to say to that, just so, so I'm clear. Uh, they may be a dominant pathways of sympathetic fibers that we uh -huh. all have. Yes. And then let's say the child is traumatized at one years old. And then there is second, second layer of sympathetic fibers. But the body knows what the dominant layer is and what the extra layer is. And that's why that would explain doing a procedure on somebody who's had PTSD for 50, 60 years and still works for them. So yeah. in fact, we just did a, we just submitted the paper that looked at 21 different types of trauma, all type of ages. Wow. And it seems to work across the board. Fabulous. So which is kind of interesting because, you know, most people think it's, you know, is military trauma yes. different than rape trauma, different than first responder trauma. Brain is a brain, right? Brain yeah. doesn't know anything until you give it input. Well, I saw the videos um, of uh, first responders of uh, um, military individuals, you know, that you've treated and, right. and the responses are quite amazing um, because the first thought and it's the thing I brought up with you initially is that this would be a very short term solution because it wears off and et cetera. But what you're seeing is that that can be true, but very often it's not. I mean, they sometimes maybe need a couple more than one treatment, but it or it maybe be... different sides also. Right. Yes. Sides. Yeah. And, and we also do something else. We do something called pulse radio frequency, which is it's something that's used in pain medicine to prolong the effect of local anesthetic. Mm. So the point is, there are other things we could try to do if there is a response. And again, there is definitely a failure rate. Keep in mind, anybody says in medicine, it's 100% treatment capability. It's just not possible. It also well, you're getting like 80%, aren't you? Higher than that, yeah. That's it. I mean, like, can you tell me anything that's getting an 80%? I, I don't know of anything. In psychiatry? Yeah. I'm not aware of that. No, I, I'm not aware of it. And I've done a lot of research. <laughs> I, I, I don't know of anything. Like, you know, you know Prozac, you, you can name whatever you want nothing's getting you an 80 plus percent that's pretty um, else i mean that's miraculous well i'm not i'm not disagreeing with that 
that thing to remember, for example, I'll give me an example. I'll give you another example. We had a 12 year old child. She was molested at six and we treated her because she was fighting whatever at 12 and she was doing great for, for a year. And then the mother called and said, you know, it's coming back. I said, fine. She came back after we blocked her. She said that somebody tried to abduct her in the mall. Oh my goodness. My point is, not only does it depend on your sympathetic fiber, it depends on the trauma you're exposed to. The re-triggering. Right. If you have no trauma, then you may not return. And that's why we, we like, we've had people come in to go, you know, I'd like to have the block. You know, my marriage is horrible. It's falling apart. And my suggestion is get your marriage under control one way or another, then come back. And then, but you need to have a, place to be safe and comfortable and then have a psychological treatment on all of will help you but i don't want to do something and be triggered immediately no but again this is the whole thing around the hardware software right this is correct right back to where we started is this is not going to be solved at a hardware level it's not going to be solved at a software level it is in a lot of cases both and and i think right. that we, we go looking for this panacea that is going to be the thing for everything. And very rarely is that the case, but this is doing things that have, people have never even considered. I want to know how we, meaning the people listening, uh, me, um, any of our, uh, people I know, how can we be part of bringing this to the world? Because as I said, in the end of the last episode, uh, this is in a research thing right now. There, you know, people who have a lot of money might be able to step up and say, I'd like to have that. But we would need to, this needs to be available. This needs to be out there. How can we help make this a reality for people? So, well, I have a shopping list for you. Thank you. <laughs> I've got my pen in hand. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So there are, you know, if you don't mind, we'll dream big, right? So there's a couple of things we would be very interested in. So our not-for-profit, ErasePTSDNow.org, which is our foundation or organization, um, we always need more resources to treat more people. So we recently started treating people in Englewood, Chicago, uh, where a lot of people are being shot, and we've got some uh, thankfully, amazing successes there. We'd like to treat different populations. I'm very interested in urban population. I'm interested in abused women. I'm very interested in veterans. So just the mere fact, if we can get, you know, no gift too big, no gift too small, right? So we'd like sure. to keep treating people. So that's one of the big things. The other part we're interested is research. So people could, hold on a second. So people can go to um, erasepptsdnow.org. They can donate there. Yes. Anything and, they want, a dollar, $100 million, whatever it is, anything you do will help. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, pretty much all the, re, all, all the resources that go in it gets spent on actually treating people. So it's not, okay. we're not building buildings. We don't have a nice building. Right. We have, you know, it's a virtual existence. Yeah. So we, there's it's, a lot It's on of his people. kitchen table. <laughs> Exactly. You got it. You're looking at the main main uh, medical office for it right now. <laughs> it's on his kitchen table. We just we clear off the dishes. We slop you down, and away you go. 
Well, not, not quite. But it's a little non-sterile for me. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's one aspect. The other part is we were very fortunate to very recently uh, connect to a major institution who would like to do a real study using functional MRIs and before and after MRs. And then I think part of the problem is credulity. It's hard for people to believe it's such a simple solution. Yes. And the studies that came so far, I would say, have fallen short. Some were okay, but having functional MRI, and we are trying to raise about $3 million. It will be done by a big institution the right way from beginning to end. And I think if study like that will be done, I wouldn't be involved in it. I will just be consulting for them. Uh, but that would be a big mental change. People actually see it. They'll have scans. It'll be done by a big institution. So we'd like to fund that. Mm. So and is I'm that not... also through Erase PTSD now? Yes, because I, I mean, they can give it directly to the institution. They can give it through. As long as it happens, I don't, don't care. Right. Um, the other part is I have a conceptual design that I took to an engineer in Greece, actually, of all places, for a uh, full assist uh, AI device that do those procedures on large scale. Mm. So the way it would work is that if you look at the container ships, yes, each container is 40 feet by eight feet across. You can divide it into four sections, put the yep. robot in each one. Each boat has, let's say, 100 containers. That's 400 robots. And you can do four people per operating room per container per hour. So you can treat about 11,000 people. Per four four up, quote, operatories per container. So you're looking at 400, 400 per hour. Wow. And that could be, you could treat populations with that. So, I mean, that, that's a big dream, but again, it depends how much resource we would get. Wow. And then we're also working on the device to be able to assess biological uh, part of PTSD and like a response to stimuli. So we are interested in doing the science part of it because I think the more into the science and measurable and reproducible things we can get into, the better it will be. Because people have always looked at psychology and psychiatry as kind of soft science. In yeah. the modern age with neuroscience advancement and epigenetics, I think it's time to close the gap. Wow. Wow. That is, I mean, that is quite the, that's quite the vision. Pretty big. That's, I mean, it's wonderful. Um, is, I mean, of course, that would take a ton of money to set up, yep. but it would also make it once it's set up, it's kind of like building a plant for electric cars. You know, it, it costs a ton of money to set it up, but once it's set up, it actually becomes quite inexpensive. Oh, absolutely. But the other part, though, is so. In ideal world, here's what I would love to see. Uh, if we can get the study done, let's say three or four million dollars or three million dollars. Yeah. I think if people can actually look at it and a very reputable institution would say, hey, that's the real deal. 
So the pushback would be, I think most of it will go away. And the other part, I personally am very strongly um, focused on multiple different populations. People who are ex-convicts, uh, first responders, abused women. I'm particularly interested in abused women because of my mother's death mm -hmm. and military personnel. So we have, since I'm part of, uh, you know, pretty big part of Stella centers, we now are opening offices in eight states, collaborating with other physicians. So potentially, if we can get mine enough for profit, then we can start. It's not just me doing it. It'll be, it'll keep growing everywhere. And so it'll be available. We're talking about today. We're not talking about some hypothetical, highfalutin study in 10 years. If somebody, let's say Bill Gates or somebody like him and say, okay, here's $10 million. What are you going to do for it? Well, it's really easy. You take uh, $10 million divided by 1500 and that's how many patients you're going to fix. It's mm -hmm. not how much my, my question has never been how much money do I want? No. How many people do you want to treat? Right. What can you afford? 10%, a hundred people, a thousand people. Do you want to do a study? What are you interested in? All of that. So people who are net high net worth would be amazing for them to get into it if possible. But the other piece around this is the, is the advances in functional MRI, because you're saying that you can literally see a change in the brain as it's done. So there was a study done on out of uh, Long Beach, California, where they used a PET scan mm -hmm. before and after a stellate. And they were able to demonstrate amygdala deactivation on the right side. Small study, only six people. So it's tiny. Yes. So people aren't going, oh my God, this is like a, amazing because it's small end, but we already have pre preliminary evidence what we're going to see. And that was the MRI done was done a week later. I mean, what, that was what a week things? later. Yeah. What, what other things will give you a change like that? I don't know of anything. I, I mean, know. you know, it's, it, I mean, so it's, it's interesting for me because, um, I look at the research around, um, psilocybin treatment and, uh, uh, LSD being used for, for, uh, therapeutic uses, yep. um, and what, and using MRIs and such to see PET scans, to see that there's a change in the brain <laughs> because we now understand the brain is plastic, um, as a result of these things and bringing these things, um, bringing these things to light is so very important for us all to do, to, to, to understand that these things that seem kind of nebulous and out there, right. including, you know, an anesthetic and suddenly going, no, no, hold on a second. This is not out there. Here's the evidence that we can see. You know, one of my diagrams when I teach is I'll draw a circle on a board and I'll say, you see this circle? And they go, yeah. So everything inside this circle, <laughs> is everything that was known about science in 1900. And they go, okay. I go, how big is that circle now? And they'll, you know, so they'll say, well, double the size. I go, okay, good. So let's pretend that that's true. And they go, yeah. okay. I go, now, what, if you now see that it's, the circle is double the size, in 1900, what was everything that is now in the circle? 
So you've got the inner circle, which was what was known. You've got the outer circle, which is what we know now. But back in 1900, what was all that? And they go, I don't know. And I call mysticism. It was a mystic idea. It was, it was woo-woo. It was weird stuff. It was, it was metaphysical. And they go, yeah. So I said, so now let me ask you this question. And I draw another circle around the second one. And I say, what's all this? And suddenly they go, tomorrow's science. And I go, yes. And that's what you're doing here. That's what I love about what you're doing. You're creating tomorrow science. And we, we, we're always willing to resist and push off something we don't understand. But one of my quotes in my thesis was, just because we don't have the technology doesn't mean it's not real. If we don't have the technology to measure it, it doesn't mean it's not real. It means we don't have the technology to measure it, right? Well, so understanding- We have it. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. We, we have the technology now. That's what I'm saying. Now we do. And you're, you're taking it to that, you know, so that for me is um, like scalar energy, which was woo-woo, is not, it's not woo-woo anymore. We can measure scalar energy, which was definitely oh, metaphysical. No, no. And you're doing this with showing that here you do this and here's a scientific evidence you can see. We have the technology to see this is changing the brain of that individual. And if you go, I mean, if you go to YouTube, what should they go to on YouTube? Because you've got those videos uh, with, with those uh, the people who've had um, treatment, uh, the, the military guy who was, uh, he's African-American guy, he said he's very violent. And, and he came up oh, yeah. and, playing, and he's like, and he's laughing and he's, and they're like, well, what is it? And he just says, the colors. I mean, he sounds oh, like yeah. he's on LSD. Exactly. Yeah, that was a pen fest. By the way, they're going to be releasing three more uh, sections of that. Oh, wonderful. Under the follow the three months follow up is coming next week. I'll send it to you if you don't mind. Please do. Yeah, we'll definitely promote that for you. Absolutely. My friend, I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed this conversation. I am, to say the least, honored that you took the time to be with us. I am so really much. grateful. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy lad. Uh, I know you got people banging down your door. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And, and it is a, you know, it's an investment of time. But I really want people to understand this. I want to bring this to light. And I will do everything I possibly can to assist you in doing so. Um, Thank you so much. Is there anything else anybody should know before we finish up this section? I think hope is coming your way. Yeah. Uh, really that's, that's amazing um i hope you'll stay with us to the end as we sign off here again i want to thank you dear listener for tuning in and remember that you can actually catch the videos of this if you go to the our patreon channel patreon.com forward slash dove baron when you get to that um if, if you go inside of there once you become a member you'll get access to the videos from this, which is also wonderful. So patreon.com forward slash Dove Baron. And of course, um, if you want to be part of the not-for-profit and help with the research, please tell us again where they should go. ErasePTSDnow.org ErasePTSDnow.org And there's some wonderful resources on there that you'll find on there. Again, we want to thank Dr. Eugene Lipov, and I want to say to you, dear listener, please 
Stay curious, my friend. Stay curious about how you're judging the reactions of others who may be in a trauma response that you've never even considered. Because trauma is, in fact, highly subjective. The thing that traumatizes one person won't traumatize another. The reason that some people cope is different than the reasons that other people don't. So I want to just have you have a lot more curiosity about how you can have compassion and empathy. And let's bring hope back to the world with this, because this is a hardware problem that's impacting a software that's impacting how people live. Till next time, my name is Dov Baron. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious. Thank you. I'm out.